0: We are continuing on in our sermon series on the life of David. And we are, I don't know, has it been a blessing to you so far? You know, we've, remember the David and Goliath story. And we talked about last week, Jonathan and David and godly relationships and authentic community. And you know what, it's been a blessing to me as we're going through the whole Bible. It's going to take us a few years. So we're right now going through First and Second Samuel we're excited. We'll probably uh, get to First Kings and take a little break as we hit the November 5th vision service where we have a service in Waikiki at the Hyatt Regency. And then we'll see where the Lord takes us from there. Well, today I wanted to talk about letting go and letting God take over in your life. Letting go and letting God. And you know, uh, we have so many times where uh, we have difficult situations in our lives where we are going through really hard spots. And a lot of it has to do with personal relationships, right? They say a lot of people who leave their jobs, actually, it's not because they hate their jobs. It's because they can't get along with the people that they work with. And there's so many times, and family problems, and just personal problems, and how to deal with people when they offend you, and they will and they will hurt you, and that's just part of life and dealing with that. Today, I'd like to see the contrasting figures in First Samuel, where you have David, who reacted well to certain situations and circumstances, and then you have King Saul, who completely blew it. And, you know, you've heard it like David versus Goliath, but today we're kind of like doing a David versus Saul kind of a thing. And um, for myself, I have different issues and problems and things, and I was trying to think about, wow, what was a time in my life where I just completely blew it and I didn't react well? And I was thinking, you know, when I was, I think I was in third grade <laughs> at Ina Heine Elementary School, and I was so into collecting baseball cards. Anybody a card collector here? Okay, that meant the world to me. I mean, I would go to these card shops and spend whatever little money I had on baseball cards. It was my whole world. And I had this great card. It was a Nolan Ryan rookie card, okay? So Nolan Ryan, great one of the greatest pitchers ever. And I bring it to school because I want to show it off to my friends, right? So here I am walking in. I remember it was before school. And I come up to the first person I see. His name is Dondi Pasquale, one of my good buddies, okay, growing up. Hey, Dondi, look at my Nolan Ryan. It's a rookie. Oh, yeah? He goes, let me see that. He looks at it, and he does this. Like, what? What? What just happened? And so I literally, I don't know what happened. I just saw red, and I jumped on him. Ah! And then we are rolling around, and we're fighting, and I'm crying, and he's crying. And we get busted, and we went to the principal's office, and the principal said, Both of you have detention. You're both. And I said, What? I didn't. He ripped my card. And I didn't understand. How am I getting busted for this? Even though, you know, I didn't react well to it. You know, I jumped on his face. And so I remember, I don't know if you can still do this, but they put me in a closet. <laughs> I guess it was a long time ago. Things were a little different back then. So they put me in a closet, it wasn't a closet, it was like a workroom, okay, it was a big huge closet with all the supplies, and then I had to stay there for I don't know how long, and I had to write a report on Dr. Martin Luther King, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Ah, who is this guy, right? i was studying, I'm like, wow, this guy is amazing, I didn't, you know, I'm learning about him, third grader, and I was like, wow, I'm so blessed, I, f- I remember thinking that, this has actually been good, I learned all about it. so anyway, just interesting story so i was looking at the you know what is the value of this nolan ryan rookie card (laughs) right it depending on what kind of card i don't know how you know what the condition was and everything it's like thousands of dollars other conditions it's like 50 bucks so anyway stondy owes me some money (laughs) all right well and then there was this other time okay we a few years ago we were really busy my wife and I, we were, we were actually running for office, okay, in Liliha. And we were like, it was just too many things going on. I couldn't take care of my yard. And my, Vanessa says, you know, you've got to take time for our yard. Look at our yard. It was like growing a jungle back there. And she says, you know what, I'm just going to hire a landscaper. I talked to, I have a pastor friend, Pastor Aaron. He said, this guy just greatly knows a great landscaper. We're going to hire him. Okay, so we paid him like $400. This guy's going to totally revamp our backyard. It's going to look all nice, landscaped and everything, take away the jungle. So he comes over, and he's really nice, and he starts doing all this stuff and cutting down all this. He puts into our front yard, into one of our parking spaces, a mound, no joke, like this high, okay? It's like a mound of stuff, maybe even higher. It was big, all this stuff. And he leaves our backyard. It's like in process, right? Tearing up plans, pulling up—he does that for a few weekends, and then all of a sudden, guess what? Gone. And my wife paid him already. I say, you paid him? He didn't finish. You got to pay after he finishes. So she paid him, and he came. He made a big mess, and he was out—like no returning phone calls, kind of out. Like, hey, hi, what are you doing? You know, trying to be nice at first, and pretty soon, I'm all mad, and we were so mad. We couldn't believe somebody would do that to us. And then, like, a few years went by. I think we were still a little bit mad, <laughs> bitter, right? We would talk about it every once in a while. Oh, don't bring it up. Just forget about it. And then one day I'm at Foodland, and guess who's in front of me in line? The guy! So I say, hey, buddy. And he looked at me, and I saw his face like, "Ooh." <laughs> and I'm like, hey, uh, yeah, um i know you didn't come back and you know like there was like all that stuff we had to end up moving and everything but you know i just want to let you know i forgive you <laughs> and i really did forgive him and so i just wanted to let him know and let myself hear me say it i guess and just hey i forgive you and so did that it was like i could see like wow there was a wall let down and he still was kind of shaming and you know but I I felt better. And I pray for my wife. I think she's still dealing with that. (laughs) And you know what? I think all of us can relate to these kinds of situations because we've all had people that have unfairly treated us. We've all been in these kinds of situations where we've been wronged by others. And you know, it's in those times where we have a choice to make. Are you going to be somebody who's gripped, tunnel vision? all you can think about that unforgiveness and how they stabbed you in the back? Or are you going to let go and let God take over the situation? You know, we always have a choice to take an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, or, like Jesus says, turn the other cheek. We have a choice to repay evil with evil, or, like Jesus says, repay evil with good. And, you know, we heard it said, you know, some people, they're kind of proud, and they say, I don't get mad, I get even. <laughs> I don't get mad, I get even. And, you know, a lot of times it's just we want to get revenge. We want to make somebody feel the pain that we felt, right? Why? Because then we're going to feel better. We're going to say, okay, that's justice. Doesn't God like justice? I'm going to be his means of justice in this situation. But God tells us not to take justice into our own hands. You know, today's scripture in 1 Samuel, we're going to see as followers of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and he calls you to live differently than the world does, he calls us to love and to bless others when they hurt us and to let go and let God exercise justice in his own way and in his own timing well the story of david has been awesome as we're going through it we see that he has been given favor by god remember he was just a lowly shepherd boy his own dad didn't even remember him and he was chosen by god to be the king of israel he went on to supernaturally defeat goliath i love that sermon Dave gave You know, he became best friends with king's son, the prince, Jonathan. He sat in the king's court. And we learned how King Saul became so jealous of David. People loved David. He was a threat to his kingdom, to his throne. And King Saul had this pursuit that he was going to murder David. You know, He drove him out of the palace. He chased him all around Israel. And there were a lot of guys that stuck with David. There was a little army. In fact, they had about 600 men, the Bible says. And they were hiding in the caves and in the hills away from Saul and his army. And David was hungry. He was homeless. He was fighting for survival, wasn't he? David was being wrongly persecuted. He didn't do anything wrong, so what would his reaction be? Would he fight back? Would he use the sword and take matters into his own hands and go ahead and kill the king? Or was there a better path for David to take? Was there a a godly path that he would follow and it would benefit generations and us being those who take benefit from his example. You know, we can learn from David's example to react in a godly way to a difficult situation. How do you make godly decisions in trying times? First of all, don't learn from the example of King Saul. Okay, that's, that's the contrast there. 1 Samuel 21, we see how they handle these situations so differently, and... David, he takes refuge as he's on the run in a town called Nob. Isn't that a weird name for a town? Nob? I wonder if it still exists. I'm not sure. Probably not. Or it might be pronounced Nob. Huh. Like Job. I know. I don't know. Okay. So he's uh, helped by this priest named Ahimelech. Ahimelech is there and he gives some of the bread, the consecrated or holy bread to David. That's all he had. And he gave it to David. And he, David says, you know, I'm not only hungry, I, I really could use a weapon. I don't have any weapon. And Ahimelech says, well, guess what, buddy? We have a sword for you. But it's not just any sword. It's Goliath's sword. And he busts out Goliath's sword. And he's like, that is the sword. And he gives him the sword that he used to kill the giant with. It was actually Goliath's sword. So he's got this big sword. He's got some food in his stomach. The bad news was one of King Saul's men was there, his servants, named Dog, D-O-E-G, kind of like dog, but with an E, okay? So you got Dog there, and he's witnessing. He's looking at everything, and he's going, oh, I'm going to report this to the king. So guess who shows up on Himelech the priest's front door? King Saul and his army. It's like one of those movies, right? The bad guys show up into town. First Samuel 22, they ask him, First Samuel 22, 11 through 19, they ask him a few, 21, 11 through 19, a few questions. <clears throat> but the servants of Ashes said to him, isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the only one they sing about in their dances? David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Ashes, king of Gath, so he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in hands, he acted like a madman making marks on the door of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Asus said to the servants, look at this man. He is insane. Why bring him to me? I am so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me. Must this man come into my house? David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Abdullam. When his brother and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress, in debt, were discontented around him, and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. Eventually he would have 600 men. Verse 11. Then the king sent for the priest Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, and his father's whole family, who were the priests at Nob. And they all came to the king. Saul said, Listen now, son of Ahitub. Yes, my lord, he answered you think about the position that he's in right now that he's probably shaking in his pants, right? Verse 13, Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, giving him bread and a sword and inquiring of God for him so that he has rebelled against me and lies in wait for me as he does today? Ahimelech answered the king, Who of all your servants is as loyal as David, the king's son-in-law? Captain of your bodyguard and highly respected in your household. Was that day the first time I inquired of God for him? Of course not. Let not the king accuse your servant or any of his father's family, for your servant knows nothing at all about this whole affair. But the king said, You will surely die, Ahimelech, you and your father's whole family. Then the king ordered the guards at his side, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord because they too have sided with David. They knew he was fleeing, yet they did not tell me. But the king's officials were not willing to raise a hand to strike the priests of the Lord. The king then ordered, Dog, you turn and strike down the priests. So Dog the Edomite turned and struck them down. That day he killed 85 men who wore the linen ephod. He also put to the sword Nob, the town of the priests, with its men and women, its children and infants, and its cattle, donkey and sheep. And I remember reading this and making notes in my Bible, and I put next to it where they killed all the priests, the women, the children. Just the word bad, underline, like very bad. This is bad stuff. Very bad stuff. You know, Saul was so sick, in his head. He was so bent on killing David. He had murder in his sights. He could see nothing else. He was filled with an evil spirit, the Bible says. A murderous spirit wanting to kill David. And for those who help David like this priest, he's willing to go ahead and kill these priests. He's gonna willing to kill 85 of them. He has his servant dog do it. He puts to death the men, the women, the children, all the animals of the town. How could somebody do something so horrendous? That's what happens a lot of times when we get this tunnel vision where we are so bent on accomplishing what we think is right and what we think needs to happen to take care of the situation and find justice and so we see here of what not to do. A lot of times we get like that too, right? Where somebody hurts us, somebody does something to us, what do we do? We start, that's all we can think about. That's all we're consumed about. We wake up in the morning, we can't even sleep because of it. And then what happens? We make these terrible, horrendous decisions. Not like King Song. But we see this, it could lead to these decisions that we say, oh, I shouldn't have gone there. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. What a mistake. How could I have done that? Because you had that tunnel vision. Chapter 24. First Samuel chapter 24. Let me read to you verses 1 through 10. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. He's continuing to look for him. So Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel, and set out to look for David and his men near the crags and the, of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. He used the restroom. Okay, that's basically that. David and his men were there, were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscious stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbade that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My Lord, the king! When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down, prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lift my hand against my master because he is the Lord's anointed. Now, da- David definitely had an opportunity to take matters into his own hands, right? He could have killed Saul very easily right there at the entrance to the cave. He didn't see David, it was dark. But he just cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Cut off the corner of his robe. And he held it as proof, like I I could have spared, I could have killed you, but I spared your life. But even though he just cut off a little piece of the robe, what happened? He felt bad. David was conscious stricken, the Bible says. He felt bad for just cutting off that little piece because it was the robe of the king. But he used it anyway. And he called out to Saul and he said, Guess what, king? He laid down with his face on the ground. I could have killed you, but I didn't. I spared your life because you're the king. He showed him proof, and that's our first point. Number one, you can write in your notes, honor the Lord's anointed. I think this story goes back to honoring those the Lord has anointed. We went to a conference recently, It's called The Culture of Honor with a man named Danny Silk. It was awesome. And they're talking about how powerful it is to honor one another. And when I talk about the Lord's anointed, a lot of times I'll say to my friends, don't touch the Lord's anointed. Like I'm a pastor, right? You know, I'm a pastor after all. I am the Lord's anointed. I like to mess around with my friends, right? But that's not at all what the bible is talking about okay. the bible is saying here is somebody who has been anointed as king in king saul and no matter what they do no matter how evil they are as we see here in the scriptures what's going on with king saul they're still the person god has chosen to lead and we are to honor them nonetheless same thing with people God has put into your lives as authority. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's somebody in your profession, a boss. Okay, Maybe it's somebody that is an elected official and the leader. And we're called to honor them and pray for them and love them. Romans thirteen one through 3 says... Let's read the first two verses actually. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on ourselves. We're to honor our authorities. You know, they've been placed there by God, and we are to respect them and submit to them. And a lot of times we have trouble honoring, don't we? We have trouble with authority. We have trouble honoring the Lord's anointed. And, you know, we think we see the whole picture, but when you're in that position of authority, you see things differently. When you, for example, even now where I'm able to Um, help out and serve in leading the church now there were some things i was like come on pastor mark right like i don't know if i agree with that or that's how come it's like that and then now as somebody who's having to sit in that seat it's like oh okay we see things a little bit differently from our perspective where we're at right and so we just want to honor and bless and you know i'm still going through that i am a work in progress i should wear that on my Forehead, okay? Be patient with me. I'm a work in progress. And there was a time where we had last year, I told this story before. Uh, it was a missionary conference, and they had originally scheduled it to go to be on Kauai. And we were all set to go to Kauai. All right, we're going to go and just, you know, like just listen to great speakers and meet some other pastors. And then a month before the conference started, they said, We're going to switch the conference. One of the pastors here said, we would like to have it on Oahu. Because we want to honor the outgoing pastor who's in Donaculi, who's leaving. And his people can't come if they have to go to Kauai. So let's just have it here. So, okay, that's great. And then they said, well, we want your church to plan it. What? And then Pastor Mark said, I want you to plan it. (laughs) I said, me? It's supposed to be on Kauai i just gonna go and show up i was all mad oh here we are how come if that church wants to switch it they should just plan it why do we have to switch it why is pastor mark telling me to plan this and i have such a bad attitude and here i am i'm talking stink and we go to lunch pastor sonny was brand new and i just infiltrate his head with all this bad talk and then Jared came back, and it was like a meeting for them to share about being a worship leader and everything together. And I was sitting down to my Korean food lunch, being all nice and, okay, finally, I'm so hungry. And then I get a call, and it was that pastor. Hey, how's the planning going? Oh, so great, pastor. So I love it. Yes. I just enjoy serving the Lord in this way. It's so fun. Yeah, you know, everything's going. Don't worry about it. Just go back getting about to coming back into the restaurant i get another call from another pastor how's this planning going oh so good you know what it's just awesome I, this conference is going to be the best yet anyway i'm done i finally go sit down and as i'm sitting down i to eat they say who is that oh it's the so-and-so pastor oh yeah what do you want Oh, yeah, you know, he switched the conference, Jared. You wouldn't believe it. And now he wants to do it over here, and he's making me do it. And now Pastor Mark's making me do it, and I'm just so fed up, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just unloading, and I hear the voice on the phone. It wasn't hung up. He says, Hello, Max. I wanted to shrink away or disappear or something. And I look at Jared, and I look at Sonny, and their faces like this and I'm like turning white, and I pick up the phone, and I'm walking out, and I hear Sonny say, oh, let's pray for Pastor Max. <laughs> and they were serious. I could hear his voice. "Hey, let's pray. And I needed the, I was like, oh, oh, oh. I was like, didn't want to tell him? did you hear anything? Of course he heard everything. <laughs> but I, anyway, I went to his house. <laughs> I got on my knees. And I said, oh, I touched the Lord's anointed. I struck down the Lord's anointed. No, but I was serious, though. I was almost crying. It was like bad. And I just felt like, oh, is this exposing me for all the stuff that's inside? You know, all that junk. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, you know, a lot of times we all have trouble with authority in our lives. And when somebody, you feel like you're being unfairly treated, you just complain, you sulk. You assassinate their character behind their back and into their face, you act like it's all nice. Okay? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, all of us can do that. Honor those God has put in your lives, even if they don't treat you well. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's somebody, your boss. Maybe it's an elected official, your leaders. Honor them. How can we honor them? You can bless them with your words. You can bless them in the way that you care about them and love them and want the very best for them. You can pray for them, hope for them, speak well of them when everybody else isn't. You know, imagine if we treated the Lord's anointed as the Lord's anointed, as someone who was to be honored. No matter what they've said to you, no matter what they've done, what would happen this is the best part to you. What would happen to your heart on the inside? The way that you view life, the way that you are able to relate to other people, all people. You would have a heart like David. The Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. You would have a heart like David. You would have a heart like Jesus. You know, David honored Saul. But Why? he knew that you to respect those in authority the lord's anointed and he knew that by rebelling against that like the scriptures say it just leads to judgment doesn't help first samuel 24 11-12 see my father look at this piece of your robe in my hand david said i cut off the corner of your robe but did not kill you Now understand and recognize I am not guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. Verse 12. May the Lord judge between you and me. And may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. But my hand will not touch you. That's powerful stuff. You know, David wanted to have clean hands before God, didn't he? He wanted to have a clean heart before the Lord. So he didn't take matters into his own hands. But he wasn't saying this. He wasn't saying, Saul, no matter what you did to me, it's fine. No matter what you did to that town, people, no, don't worry. It's all good. He wasn't saying he didn't deserve judgment, that Saul was innocent. But he was saying that his own hands weren't going to be the ones to execute that judgment. David was able to simply let go and let God take care of it. And God wants us to do the same. Romans 12, 14-21 Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not if he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That would be very helpful to keep in your Bible. Or put it up on your mirror at home. You know, are you someone who is able to be like David, to let go and to let God? Or are you someone who is a little bit more like Saul? You know, it feels like this, you've heard of the battle of David and Goliath, right? This is the battle of David and Saul within you. So, a lot of times, we want to take vengeance into our own hands. You know, we want to say, instead of Doing it God's way is just going to make me feel so much better. It's going to be so much easier if I just take it out and blast them instead of bless them. Assassinate them with my thoughts and my, character, my words. Then, you know, go ahead and, and then speak nicely to them in front of their face. But God is trying to teach us, don't dishonor those who need to be honored. And that goes for all people. Not just those in authority. All people deserve our love. All people deserve our respect, no matter what they've done to us, no matter who they are. You know, the bad news is, according to God's standard, none of us can let go and let God. A lot of us are guilty of being a lot more like Saul than David. Look at Jesus' standard in Matthew 5. Jesus said this, According to Jesus' standards, all of us are guilty of committing murder. How many of us have been angry with somebody in this room? All of us. Every single person has has to be saying, if they're honest, yes, that's me. How many of us have called somebody a fool? Yes, all of us. Each one of us is guilty. Matthew 5, look what Jesus says as well. He said, you have heard that it was said... Eye for an eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. We've heard this so many times, but could you imagine somebody coming up and punching you in the face? How easy is it to go ahead and give them the other cheek? We know that that is impossible. Jesus said in Matthew five forty-three. Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? This is the line. Be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Never think or speak badly about someone. Honor the Lord's anointed. Turn the other cheek love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, be perfect. How can we do this? How can we be perfect? The point is, Jesus is trying to tell us, we can't. You cannot do this. A lot of times people come out of it with the opposite, they get the sense okay i gotta do this as a christian and i gotta do that and i gotta live up to this when the whole time jesus is saying hello you can't the standard is perfection it's way too high it's way too hard romans three twenty three says this for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god each one of us is incapable of the perfection god requires of us we're all infected with this disease called sin and we will try as hard as we can to live up to god's glory his perfection that standard and we all fall short we all fall short we're trying to get there but we falling short we can't get there to that standard god has set for us that's the bad news and if you leave that message just here it would be terrible You're going away thinking, this is the worst message ever, right? I'm done. That's the bad news. The good news is Romans 5, the rest, 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The amazing thing is Jesus, the anointed one. Remember, do not strike the Lord's anointed. Jesus is the anointed one or Christ or Messiah the savior of the world, he was dishonored. He's also the judge. He's going to be judging us one day, the whole world. The judge and highest authority in all the universe, he became the one who took our place and suffered the punishment as a criminal. He's the one who suffered and took our place, took all of our sins upon himself. You know, a lot of times we forget that, you know, it hurts so badly when somebody hurts us or wrongs us. And we forget, you know who was wrong first? You know who was hurt first? His name is Jesus. Jesus was wronged first. Jesus went through everything that we went through so that, the Bible says, he could identify with us, with our sufferings. Jesus was betrayed, falsely accused, Bat upon, beaten, whipped, had a crown of nails nailed into his head, carried his own cross to the place where they would drive nails in his hands, in his feet. He was left there to suffer painful, humiliating death on the cross. The good news is God the Father let his one and only son do this because that's how much He loves us. That's how much He loves us. If you want to be somebody who's like David and has a heart like David, if you want to be somebody who's going to let go and let God, and everything that you go through, hard times, and you become better instead of bitter in the process, if you'd like to experience a love that covers you, covers all your sins, a love that will help you to forgive others, When they wrong you, then today is going to be a day where you can say, you know what, Jesus, I need your help. Why don't we go ahead and stand? You know, Jesus and David, we see the similarities there. David points us to the life of Jesus. David wasn't a perfect person himself. He wasn't Jesus. David had tons of flaws. And in fact, I love reading the story of David because I can identify a lot with that. And I go, you know what? I'm just like him. You know, I mess up here and there. There's another story in one of the next chapters that talks about David was very close to to being just like Saul and striking down the Lord's anointed. Striking down a man named Nabal and his wife came out, Nabal's wife, and said, No, don't do it. can't strike the Lord's anointed. You know what? If we're honest with ourselves, we, all of us will say, God, I am in this battle, like a David and Goliath battle, but it's a David and Saul battle going on within my spirit. The only way to do it is say, Jesus, you are the one who came to give me the power through your Holy Spirit that I would be able to make these right decisions, that I would be able to love, that I would be able to forgive. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, God, that you are the one that is able to take the sin, that you are the one that's able to take all the ways that we have been polluted with a bad attitude lord and when somebody hurts us and when somebody maybe wrongs us lord we have that tension within our soul lord we want to be a lot like saul and we we don't think we just react we have that tunnel vision and we are asking you right now that you would make us more like david but more importantly lord you would make us like jesus And we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice for us on the cross, Lord. We thank you that he paid the price so that we could have peace with you, forgiveness of our sins, but also peace with our brothers and sisters, peace with those who are in authority over us, that we would be able to bless them, that we would be able to love them. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you. And we lift, Lord, Our whole congregation up to you, Lord. We say, take over. In these areas, Lord, we want to be people who are able to let go and let you take over. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.